0: Welcome to the official Iconoclastically Bombastic Sports College Football Playoff Preview Show. And now, here is your host, Chase Howell. my show unintentionally. <laughs> no, is, is that I did really not. Just see, <laughs> see, this is why we don't trust teams. I put you on the show, you come on, and now it's the Chase Al Show. That's I that's will why you want the to introduction,
1: though. Hey. It's all right. I did <laughs> it to Ronnie's show, Ronnie's,
0: too. It's uh, IBS After Dark. It's actually dark. It's 7 o'clock. We usually do it at 10, but we're running it a little early today. Um, I've got Chase with me. He's the co-host. Um, I've also got... Our favorite Carlton Corey, who I think just called in. And uh, most of you guys have probably seen the rundown on the show. We're going to talk Odell. Odell is all in the news. Uh, We're going to talk Cam. We're going to talk about some teams that might be in the playoffs and also in trouble. Uh, Talk about our boy Kirk Cousins. You like that? You like that? Uh, We're going to talk about uh, our most disappointing team uh, this far and then we're going to take calls. Um, So I scheduled the show for an hour, but, I mean, if you're only 30 minutes, that's fine with me, Um, but we'll we'll go as long as I get calls. Chase might not stand here. Corey might not either, but I'll be here because this is what I like to do. All right, everybody, so I'm going to start the show. Um, Fellas, I don't care who starts, but we'll just go ahead and put it out there. Give uh, Give me your opinion on... What went down yesterday with Odell and uh, Norman? Was it dirty? Was it football? What do you? How do you describe what happened yesterday? Uh, I can start. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it's it's just a. I think it's been entirely all a microcosm of today's just culture and everything. Every little thing gets blown up to infinite proportions. And and people are soft, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like, no, that is a dirty play. dude should get suspended. But we have people talking about it's one of the worst things they've seen. He, he doesn't deserve to be in the league. Talking about this man's character, he's a horrible person. And it's like, man, it's football. Like, these, these are the Warriors. Like, no, you're not trying to injure people every play. But, like, games get heated. People step over their line. He should have got kicked out the game. But to just kind of label him in general over it, like, and just to give Norman this free pass, like Norman isn't Norman's borderline dirty himself. Like this is the same dude Cam has had to fight, and and because he hit this man low in, in preseason. So I mean, there's enough blame to go around. Odell was definitely acting like a little hoe. Um, for real, he's definitely light skinning in his emotions, and the people are people <laughs> are just attacking the man. They've been looking for a reason, man they've been looking for a reason for Odell to catch. He's on the Giants. He's in New York. He dances. He prances. He gets a lot of attention, but he goes hard, man. He's not soft. and between those white lines, he he goes about as hard as anybody. So It's dirty. I'm good with the suspension. I'd have been good with him getting kicked out. End of the game, dude showed up in a big moment. You can say he's mentally weak, but when the game was on the line, the lights to the brightest, he balled on the final drive. So. I hope it all blows over. I don't. I hope it's not like he. People try to vilify him like he's To or or Randy because I don't. I don't think he's that. Like I, I think he plays hard every play. He goes hard. I don't think he's a big distraction, out of character moment or in character moment. I and mean, maybe that's how the man deals with someone coming at him and, and calling himself and trying to punk him. So that's kind of what I think about it. But it's blown out of proportion would be the way I'd end it and, and say it was. All right, Chase.
1: Yeah, I agree it was blown out of proportion. But that's because I think it was highly entertaining, man. Like, that's what I've wanted to see in football for a while. Not, you know, not not spearing someone helmet to helmet or something like that. But just the fact that, like, we hyped up this matchup going into the week. Everyone was going to watch it, right? And then they both come out. They're both going hard, man. Like, two two dudes at the top of their position – battling it out like you can't ask for more than that they both kind of had their moments to shine in that battle um obviously emotions got the best of Odell at a certain point but I mean anyone that's played man that kind of stuff happens more frequently than people realize and like you know most of the time you don't have cameras around so a lot of cheap stuff doesn't get called um you know that was pretty pretty blatant like you said if they threw him out I'm good with that I'm also good with the one-game suspension. Some people are like, he needs to be out for the rest of the year and longer. No. I mean, you know, one game's enough. Um, I thought that I thought that the whole thing, though, was just entertaining. Like, as someone that was just like, look, these, neither of these are my team, but I just want to see these two guys go at it. I mean, what a great game, man. Like, what a fun game to watch. He had a big comeback. Um, Cam had MVP moments, and... And then you got that battle going on. So, to me, it was just all entertaining. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence, man. Sometimes I watch it and I'm, and I'm like, you know, this is football. And other times I'm just, I don't know. Um, the only thing I really have an issue with is, is leading with this helmet um, kind of and, well, basically blatantly at Norman's, like, ear hole. Like, you could have caused a real serious injury. And I think that's kind of – the only thing most people have a problem with, if you're not a fan of either team, um, but like you said, this is the NFL, man. This is football. This it's not it's not a it's not a nice sport. Like we we condition these these athletes to be as as mean spirited as they possibly can, especially on the uh, defensive end. Like we we thrive off of big hits and and people getting injured, which it's sad to say, but in my mind, it always reminds me of kind of. Like a gladiator sport, you know. You're you're put out there on the field to, to cause damage, to to destroy. And then when we get that, it's it's almost like it's not really what we wanted. People complain. They have issues. You know, you guys talked about it in the group. Like everybody wants old school play, but when we get old school play, people start complaining. So it's like, you know, I guess as as fans we gotta make up our mind. Um the NFL suspended him for a game. I'm assuming both of you guys are Cool with that.
1: Yeah, no issues. Yep, seems seems right to me.
0: You guys think he should have been been fined? Is there is there a fine? I didn't see anything about a fine. Uh, I'm I sure there will be suspension. if there
1: isn't. Okay.
0: All right. So yeah, I, my. Uh, I'd imagine my No, you're good. okay. My next question, because I was um, I was one of the people who, who didn't quite understand the situation with Coughlin. Is there anything you guys think Coughlin should have done? Could, could Coughlin have intervened and maybe sat him down for a couple plays um, to, you know, kind of cool him off? Or was it just one of those things where you just got to let your guy go? He's he's already in the moment. I know there's uh, Aaron Andrews reported that he was on the sidelines uh, a little upset because guys didn't seem like they cared. They were getting crushed. Um, and he just he just seemed to be overly emotional. Is there anything maybe Coughlin could have done? Did, did you think he handled the situation properly? Man, I think there's maybe five to seven coaches that would have sat him down with their job on the line. You're sitting by far your best player. Not your best player, by far your best player on the entire roster. I'm coaching for my job and my livelihood. You want me to sit my best player down? We're down 20 points, 21 points? Nah, man, I'm good on that. Like, should he have more control over them? Yeah, but, I mean, how many times are the coaches the one that are going to be reeling the superstars in? When do you see that? Like, when a superstar is upset by rate, how many times is the head coach that's directly talking to them the reeling them in? Because I can't think of any instances. It's usually better in leadership. It's usually the quarterback. It's someone like that maybe an offensive coordinator, who all people were talking to him. It's not as though no one was talking to him, and it's not as though he was on the sideline throwing his helmet and throwing tantrums. I mean, I saw him talking to people calmly. It seemed as though people were trying to talk to him. I saw other people pull them away at times as well. So, I mean, I just think people are just looking for an excuse and other people to blame. He doesn't like a child. Hold that man accountable. That should be held accountable, and the officials for not throwing him out. But Coughlin, come on, man, like, one, will fit your best player That's I mean, that's the loser talk, to be honest with you. like People who say that are losers, and I can tell, not in competitive situations. You don't fit your best player to send them a message like we're talking
1: about Johnny Manziel or something. Like You're
0: trying to coach for the playoffs in your career. Ain't no messages need to be sent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think um, when you look at these kind of situations, um, the referees let them stay on the field. So Coughlin's doing his job. He's the head coach, man. I mean, you know, he, this is a professional level. It's not college. He doesn't need to make a point to say he's trying to like raise this young man. No, this is this is grown man ball. Um, and he and it wasn't like I don't know. It didn't it didn't turn into like a bench clearing brawl that he started or anything. It's it stayed kind of isolated between the two of them for the most part, and um, it didn't really get out of hand. Uh, it didn't it didn't go. Off the field to where he's like pushing and shoving other players or, or, you know, going too crazy off the field. So you can't, like you said, you can't pull him in that situation with your job on the line, with the playoffs on the line, with the game on the line. Way too much to yank your best player. If the refs are letting him stay on the field, no one else is trying to fight him other than the dude he's going up against that. he's, They're going mano a mano. I mean, let it ride, man. That's what we paid to see, right? Yeah, I'm I'm
0: um I'm along those lines as well. I don't I don't necessarily feel like you can there's nothing you can do at the professional level to to, you know, calm people down emotionally other than talk to them. And I, I can't see in any situation I Corey said five to seven, I was I was saying nobody currently, to my knowledge, would do that except for maybe Jim Tom Sula. So he's, he seems to be out of the out of the blue when it comes to coaching, but at the professional level, NFL, like no nah, man, you're not sitting anybody to teach a lesson because like you, like you guys said, your job's on the line. You know, if they beat if they beat the Panthers, you get a, like an uncalculated amount of momentum and confidence. You also gain ground in a division that's still to this day winnable, even though they lost, they're still technically not out of it. So. I mean, I don't necessarily put a lot of blame on Coughlin, but I've, I've seen that um, on a couple uh, threads throughout the on the Internet. Not necessarily a lot of people publicly uh, saying that he should have done something, but I think it's one of those situations where you handle
1: after the game, you know, not necessarily during you know, the game. You know who Coughlin would listen to about that decision? Um, would be like ownership or the GM you know, being like, look, get that dude off the field. They could have gotten his ear and told him that if that's what they wanted. He clearly didn't get that call, so he he was like, "I'm doing what's best for me and this team, leaving him on the field." So that's what he did.
0: Yeah. You guys, um, you guys feel like the Panthers should uh, discipline Norman? Should Should anything be done on their end with Norman? Because, like like Corey pointed out as well, he's also at fault uh, for his actions as well. No, I mean, Norm, that that's part of Norman's spiel. Like, Norman's not a fast guy. He's not a 4-3 guy who's just turning and running and, and, and can get in and out of breaks. And that's not how he conquers people. Like, being overly physical is his thing. And it's it's very of very Sherman in Seattle. Like, they, they have similar styles. They even run a lot of that cover-three shell um, similar to each other. So, I mean, you definitely can't. Handcuff him and, and just totally do to what he does, and is what he does every week. I mean, I mean dad's gotten situations, and really, but this is what he does. And he's not a, he's not a guy who's just oh, I'm between the lines. Like he will try to slam you when the ball's running away from you, and you're just kind of standing there going half speed. He'll try to slam you. He'll hit you. He'll stand over you. He'll walk over your head if you fall on the ground. Like he's an agitator. He's a nuisance. He's very, very good cornering. He goes a little bit past the line, too. And I think if you don't live with that, then you're going to pick some dude who's a nobody and a to or whatever round pick he was. And part of the, his aurora is that ship and the way he plays. And you can't take that from him. That's enough. I'm definitely not disappointing him or saying anything. NFL finds him. He should pay the fine and keep
1: playing like you. Yep, keep him on the field, man. I mean, he's doing what cornerbacks do, especially – This is what they're doing now. This is everything that Sherman's been doing for the last few years, same stuff. So um, nothing new here. I mean, leave him on the field. He didn't really do anything too egregious. Um, So I have no issue. Now, given that, if they wanted to try to take some kind of moral stand, I guess they could, given their position. I know they're trying to um, lock up home field, but, I mean, they're – they're likely going to get that. So if they wanted to, they could, but I don't think they should.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't think there's anything that should be done. But you know, like I said, I'm just I'm just running down the list, man, addressing everything that people are talking about discussing uh, today because it's it's literally all the news in the NFL. But um, I don't think yeah. anything should be done with Norman. Heck, Norman fought his quarterback. I remember, this was before I even knew who he really was, and I was like, who is this guy? He's got to be crazy, man. You are fighting your starting quarterback? Like, nothing was pretty much done then, so I don't anticipate anything being done because uh, he got in Odell's head. But you kind of touched on this, uh, Corey, in your first statement, um, and he, or Norman, kind of addressed it as well, um, I think, in, in in a comment that he made about how he's not the joker, he's two-faced. Um, anytime you show mental weakness in a competitive sport, you're always opening yourself up to, to somebody, you know, poking at you, pretty much trying to set you off. Um, given Odell's actions, the way he reacted to, to Norman, um, will this become – will Will he be able to control himself in the future? Like, is is this really who Odell Beckham is when somebody gets in his grill? Like, And it's been going on for a long time. I, I was about to I, say, man. I, I've yeah, seen it. it he's think- pretty much become the Blake Griffin of the NFL where people go at him because he doesn't react a lot of times, you know. And, and he's got this reputation, we talked about it in the group, and I'm sure people are saying it uh, in their homes as well. He's got a reputation of being soft. And even with his reaction or his overreaction to the situation, people still deem him as soft, you know. So he, he's in a Louvre situation. How does he How does he react moving forward? you know, when he gets in these in these situations? Because Norman's not going to be the only person to test him. The, the thing is, is just, it wasn't that stage. I, I mean, I think he's reacted similarly, and people have complained in the past. I mean, I know the Bills game, they're talking about him throwing punches, multiple punches. I've seen him getting multiple scuffles where he's in a hand. Even at, back to LSU, he did this. This is how he responds when people are overly physical. I mean, he may have the reputation for being soft, but when it comes to physical contact, he doesn't shy away from it. I mean, he, he's going to have a spotlight on him. So he's going to have to find somewhere else. Cause he's been getting away with it. Like Bill said, he should be fine. He's been fine before for similar. I literally everything he was doing to Norman, he was doing it in Bill's corners, um, Gilmore. Um, so, and they kind of have a little thing where they went back to SEC stuff. So like there, that's who he is, man. Like this isn't the headshot was out of character, obviously, but like, He's not a soft, wide receiver at all. He doesn't shy away from contact. He, he blocks. He drives on it. Like So, I mean, I think obviously mentally he has to not allow it to make him have a big drop and not produce. Um, but as far as him being aggressive back with it, I don't think that changes much. Um, and I don't think he can afford to have it change much, um, especially with some of his off-the-field antics. The last thing he can do is allow people to think they can test him. That's the last thing he can be afforded to do. So I don't think he can change much but not hit ear holes, basically. I mean, if you see how your normal is treating, your body slamming in two straight plays, what do you do to that? <laughs> you can't allow that to happen the whole game. Like, you, you really don't have any alternatives. You have to start saying, hey, I ain't no punk, I'm here. Like, that has to happen, especially in football. So I don't – yeah. if, if similar happens and people are trying to be overly physical – I don't know how he doesn't respond similarly, just not with the the
1: thing that's gonna get him suspended.
0: Chase, how you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I am the same way. I think, you know, there's ways that he can he can work it into his play probably more. Um, you know, you've seen this before when, when receivers will get upset but they'll take it out and they'll like throw like a crackback lock or they'll get real hype on a block. We're kind of away from the play, one-on-one, you know, they can just kind of they they can get away with it more. I mean, you can't be running back to towards a pile and and you know, trying to headshot someone like really that's really stupid. So that's going to get caught. But I mean, you know, the dude can play like he's a, he's an exceptional receiver. So if he scores touchdowns and he lays some heavy blocks on people and stuff, like he'll be able to get all of his manhood out that he needs to show or whatever else and he'll be able to you know show that he's a great talent because the reason these guys are getting so hype at him is because they're scared that he's about to destroy them with on the next play i mean so they're just trying to play his head game because he's shown that's a weakness so he's just got to he's just got to try to funnel it right into the game
0: i agree (laughs) we just had a comment and i was reading it um so ronnie if you're listening we're going to get to that in a second um, but I agree with what you said. I agree with what you said as well, Chase. Um, he's just got to find an outlet within the game, within the rules, and I think that's something that will come with um, with experience and maturity. Um, but rolling into, you know, you talked about how good he is, and, and obviously he's, he's young. Um, I have a question that um, I was thinking as well. Uh, we talk about last year, 2014, I called it the uh, year of the wide receiver. You had Odell, who was just amazing. You had Mike Evans, who had a really good year, and you had Sammy Watkins, who was also not necessarily chopped liver. Um, out of those three, obviously Odell had separated himself in the sophomore year. Uh, do you see Sammy or Mike maybe ever at least catching up to maybe being the top five receiver again or Do you think that was just a rookie sensation, and they're just they're just going to mellow out and be good, but not great? I personally think Sammy is really, really, really good. Um, So I mean, it's just a health thing with him. I think he's one of those receivers, Um, but I think Sammy Watkins is a top five talent Um, for sure. I would say that like he, he has all the tools, all the potential to be a top five talent. Uh, Buffalo's mm-hmm. offense has been decent this year. Um, but when he's been healthy, especially the latter of that part of the year, I mean
1: he's been really, really, really
0: good. So, um, like I said, I think he has top five potential. Um but when we haven't realized that, I'm not sure about that. But um I'm not big on Mike Evans. I'm, i never really Hello? helped him. Um but I'm just not big on it.
1: See I think um I think Mike Evans has more really? of an opportunity more of an opportunity than you're giving him credit for, just because he and Jameis are going to grow up together. Um, I don't see the Bucks getting rid of either of them anytime soon. So and I think that the Bills, um, I think Tyrod's played really well this year for them, but I don't know that they're going to stick with him in the future. Who knows, you know, maybe they give him next season, and who knows beyond that. But we know Jameis is going to be um, Tampa Bay's quarterback for, as long as he can be competitive. I mean, they're going to try to stick with him and make it work. And he has had a really good year. So I think that those guys can get on the same page and really start to light it up. Um, I think he's got good, good skills down the field and you get start getting those long touchdowns, man. You're going to make a name for yourself pretty quickly. Um, I think he could, he could at his peak be as effective as mega has been for Stafford. So, you know, I I think, I don't think he's as good. um, But I think that there's there's potential there with as good a quarterback as Jameis is, especially if they can get some kind of offensive identity and just work together for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean they'll get reports. So, I think <laughs> my biggest issue with him and he's he's big, but he's not really that great of a red zone target. And honestly, the guy that I mean I would say would have a better career than Mike Evans is Kevin Benjamin. If I had to pick one of those big receivers, I'd go Kevin Benjamin before Mike Evans. Um, yeah. yeah. That's just my thoughts, but yeah, I mean, I think most. No, people I think
1: are, Benjamin was uh, better in college too. I think he's. I mean, I think he's just a better. I think he's a better player. It's been, and he's and he's built better for the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think most most people are much higher on on Mike than me, but I see a lot of drops, man. it's just I, yep. just, I watch those games. I'm like, oh. Yep. Yeah. All right, so we we got a little chatter about uh, top five receivers, and I, and I knew it would come up because I've I've seen so many people talking about it. Um. We've got somebody lobbying for uh, Hopkins as a top five receiver. Um, What do you guys – how do you guys feel about that?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, man, Hopkins has to be in this conversation. Uh, If we're going to bring in Watkins, we've got to bring in Hopkins. I mean, that dude is absolutely killing it down there. Um, Granted, there's (laughs) not great competition down there in the uh, AFC South, but – no, I mean, I, I've been real impressed with him this year. I think he's real, he's had a breakout season. And um, you talk about not having a quarterback, man. I mean, they just had Brandon <laughs> Whedon come in yesterday so and win the game. So that ought to tell you something right there. Um, I think if mm-hmm. they can get any semblance of consistency at that quarterback level, I would love to see what that guy can do because he's been shining with nothing consistent at quarterback.
0: I had to take this shot at you, Cowboys Nation. The man made weed in the winter. That's something Dez couldn't do for at least three games. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Hopkins. I mean Hopkins is amazing. He's definitely been one of the best five receivers in the NFL this year. Um, To me, if you're you're talking top five, I usually try to use multiple season as a barometer. I mean Hopkins was obviously good last year, but he had um, uh, Johnson is still there. They're just wanting a lot of balls to go around. I think top five is Hugo, Brown, Julio, Beckham, A.J. Green, then insert whoever's balling the most the next year. I mean, those four are pretty consistent year in and year out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely say if we're talking, like, last two years, I, I would put Hopkins in there um, before I would put a Stag or D. DeMarsh or Fitzgerald in there. A um, the guy who's really good man, and, like, no one will say he's good, but he belongs on the outskirts of this conversation. It's Allen Robinson, man. Like, I didn't believe it because he went to Penn State, and I actually thought Hackenberg was good and stuff. But if you actually watch Jags games, my man makes catches that you're not supposed to make. And he's a big guy. He's fast. He can go out and get the ball. He's a red zone threat. My I man's probably got 15 touchdowns this year. Like, he's a real deal. He can improve with his route running. But as far as like just off the chart skill set, I mean, he's up there, man. He's a, most people don't think it, but he's a bigger dude than DeAndre Hopkins. He's a bigger dude than, than most guys, man. He is a big physical receiver who can run, and no one is gonna. I mean, he has Blake border as his QB, so that's always gonna hurt. But he's, he's the real deal. Yeah, I think Robinson uh, suffers from uh, pretty much small market. Uh, <laughs> Syndrome, you know he's not he's not on primetime TV a lot. Um, unless you have him on your fantasy team or you're an actual uh, Jaguars fan, you probably don't really know how good he really is. And um, I think you know he, he's come a long way with with a quarterback who's still developing. And uh, he's also got uh, I think Hearns is on his uh, opposite side. He's eating uh, catches as well. He's got Julius Thomas, who's also um, a, a valuable. Asset in the uh, passing game, and yet he still stands out even with a compliment and a good tight end. So I think people need to start paying attention to him, uh, especially with his size. Uh, I like to see him um, do a little bit more uh, in the red zone, but some of that, like you, you know, you pointed out, has to do with Blake Bortles. Um, but he's he's well on his way. After last night's performance, has Antonio Brown finally separated himself? as the best wide receiver in the NFL today, without you got question. you the wrong person. You're the wrong person. I said that for three years. So you got the wrong person <laughs> on that one. I mean, he's always open. When more you want the a receiver, but to always be open? And, and I mean, I've seen him not open once in two years, and that's because Vicky Sherman was guarding him and he played well. So, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I, I've been big on A.B. for a while myself. I, I remember um, before – Last going into last season, all these players that were training with him talking about, like, this guy trains harder than anyone. He's going to break out. He's going to be amazing. Um, and then, sure enough, man, he's been incredible. And um, him and Ben, they have a really good thing going. <laughs> they really can't be stopped when they're on it. Um, he's he's by far the best, but I thought that going into the season as well. Um, there's really nothing that that he can't do, and he just plays hard. Um, he's always where he needs to be, and I don't know, man. He's got ball skills, can finish finish every play, so can't knock that guy.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think it's something uh, people just need to start paying attention to. I, I'll, I'll probably end up writing uh, an article because I, I see him getting compared to uh, Jerry Rice a lot. I see Odell getting compared to Jerry Rice a lot. I think people are trying to do with Jay Rice what they do with uh, Michael Jordan in the NBA. They just want somebody <laughs> to replace that icon. Um, but I think we're getting a little too far ahead of ourselves uh, with their careers being so so early. So I now like, I will you know, say, give, give, give it some time.
1: I will say with Brown, he's the first receiver since Rice that his game reminds me of Rice. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of these other guys have come in and been like bigger and more physical or just straight speed guys or whatever the case, like obviously Moss was a whole different animal. But um, as far as like what I see in AB just come, like he's the closest, the closest player to, to how I remember Jerry Rice being since Jerry Rice. Um see Jerry Rice? No, not yet, but got a long, long way to go for that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely can see that, that resemblance starting.
0: All right. So, uh, somebody just commented that uh, somebody compared uh, Antonio Brown to, to Wes Walker, uh, which kind of makes me laugh out loud and also makes me angry because I'm tired of Patriot receivers in these gimmick schemes like uh, Julian Edelman being considered top five type receivers. They're not. They're not. Like just Just because you catch the ball a lot does not make you – a top-five receiver. Like, catching is the is – the, to me is the bare minimum. That's what everybody should do if you play wide receiver. Anybody can get 100 catches, but you need yardage, you need uh, yards after the catch, you need touchdowns. You know, you you can't just have 120 catches and and 900 yards and, and people consider that a week. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, if you don't make big plays at the wide receiver position, you can't be top five. So that's my barometer. I mean, if you're a possession slot receiver, that's your goal. Your job is to move the sticks, and that's what you do. And you're you're winning your bat on steroids in the slot, and that's what you are. I don't think, I mean, I think Edelman's a little different than um, Wes Walker personally. I think he's more talented. Um, I think he does more things that Wes did. I think Wes was very one-dimensional in the slot. I think Edelman can line up outside, and they do some other things with him. But, yeah, I mean, the offense doesn't revolve around those guys, and if you're a top-five receiver, your offense does. And, and that's very apparent by why they suck every time Gronk's hurt, because those guys can't get open by themselves. They need somebody to command a double team. That's Gronk, and then they run pick plays to steam everyone else over. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, you yeah. know. No, I blame fantasy football. To be honest with you, <laughs> people look at fantasy football points and they just associate that with with being a good player. But it's just it, it it's a good thing because I will say fantasy football has made me pay attention to people that I would have never really looked at before. But I don't look at um, I don't look at fantasy points and consider that a measurable tool um, of how well somebody plays. Because you can you get guys who who get garbage touchdowns, uh, garbage garbage time stats and everything. But like fantasy wise, Odo Beckham was great uh, for for the fantasy uh, at, at the end. I think he ended up if you're in the PPR league, he probably ended up with, with about 20 points, which is pretty good in my opinion. Um, he had a touchdown, I think he had like 70 yards and, and a couple catches. But if you looked at the the actual game. Nah, he. I mean, he had a he had an okay game, but he he wasn't he wasn't like you know taking over like people would think. But you look at his fantasy stats, you'd be like, oh man, he had a good game. What are you talking about? So I don't know. I just feel like fantasy is, is ruining uh, some people's perspective. So you get these people who are undeserving, like Walker and Edelman, um, in talks of top five receivers, like. I really wanted to come to blows with that dude who who had uh, Edelman better than Antonio Brown last year. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like that. But you get that. Like, if you go to a bar and you listen to what people say, like, they base their opinions or their rankings of, of elite and so forth on fantasy stats.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is about those guys, like, Brady – Brady's game at this point, he's so immobile, and he's all about – I mean, he gets the ball out quicker than anyone else in the league. He's about quick passes. Those those quick slot players that can, you know, get the catch, get a few yards, that means everything to Brady. Um, but, yeah, that's not <laughs> – they're not even remotely similar to Antonio Brown, who can stretch the field. And, uh, I mean, he's just – he's an all-around – Great player. Those guys are gonna pick up yards. They're gonna like dink and dunk around the middle, and that's what they're good for. Like they perfectly fit that scheme for Brady. That's what he needs. He needs these little targets he can hit that he knows where they're gonna be. They're not too far. He can get the pass out quick. Perfect for him. But but yeah, not not the same level as those guys. And of course, like you say, they're good for PPR leagues because um, <laughs> they're gonna get all these catches like two yards and end, So.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, it's just it's it's something that's probably going to have to be addressed on a uh, larger scale. Because we're going to, like, the more we do fan building DraftKings, the more people feel like they know what they're talking about uh, based off of who they pick and so forth and so on. But um, AB, to me, undisputed uh, best wide receiver in the league right now. Um, no doing doubt. Doing great things. and and, and a lot of fun to watch if you like the position. Like one of those guys that you probably could look at at a kid and be like, you know what, if you want to learn the position, you should look at him. So you can't really say a lot of that uh, in the NFL now. A lot of guys don't really do things the right way, or they have physical advantages that allow them uh, to play at a high level. But there's very few, to me, pure skill players who who even at a disadvantage size-wise or strength or speed. Able to uh, still play at a high level. And I think that's what makes AB so special. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I just, I have to watch him when he plays. He makes me watch the Steelers. He does. Even when they had Michael Vick, I still watch because I wanted to see what AB would do. So
1: that's saying a lot. Hey, man. Like uh, Vick made we him human, man. He was dropping the ball all over the field.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we got a caller who's been on for a while. I, I forgot to check the line. 540259. Um, Are you there? It might be shy. All right. I'll, I'll be it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me go back. 540259, are you there? Yeah, man. I've been on hold forever. It's <laughs> feel like I'm at DMV. Now V. am D564 at window number two. <laughs> you know what? Just, just because it's you and I was I was trying to be nice, but you had to come in like a jerk, we're gonna talk about Kirk Cousins, all right. <laughs> so, the I just wanna ask something on the wild receiver talk real quick. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <clears throat> why don't we ever talk about Brandon Marshall, man? Like, I mean, I know we're talking top five, and I mean this year, I, I mean, I don't know his numbers exactly, but I'm pretty sure he has a hundred catches, you know, over a thousand yards as usual. But when we talk about top five, we never include that dude, and I just don't understand why. Um, that's valid, man. I mean I, I think he's definitely someone that gets overlooked, honestly. I think he got dismissed last year because of the just the Jay Cutler stuff and he's getting a little he might have been off his, his medication again for a little bit. But um yeah, I mean <laughs> I think it's valid. I think you can definitely have a, I can't disrespect anyone for saying they got Brandon Marshall in their top five, man. I, I think it's valid. I think he's on that fringe for sure and when when he have a decent quarterback who's healthy. You can pencil him in for 90 catches and 1,400 yards and at least nine TDs. So, yeah, I mean, I I can go with that. I can rock with Brandon Marshall. I just don't think he's physically as gifted or as he doesn't do as many things as those other receivers do. He's way more of a possession receiver, so he's not going to give you the big plays. I think people dismiss that. But, I mean, yeah, I think that's valid, man. I think that's a a good name to bring up, but you surely could have validation for Sandy's top five.
1: He's been consistently good his whole career, so I think his issues like, you know, Odell jumps on the scene with these highlight catches. That's never been Brandon Marshall. Plus he's been stuck in these bad teams. So um you know, maybe the Jets make the playoffs and he can he can do a little something.
0: I just think uh, I just think people don't appreciate uh blue collar athletes anymore, guys who just catch and, and do the do the right thing. Um if he was faster, he would probably be in everybody's top five. But rarely do you see uh Brandon Marshall taking the ball seventy five, eighty yards for a touchdown, juking people yeah. and stuff like that. He's just a he's he's like uh, Andre Johnson, you know, even even at Andre Johnson's peak, people didn't really appreciate him uh for what he brought to the game. He doesn't make megatron like catches he doesn't run by people like uh like uh Odell or any of these other smaller, quicker receivers. He's just not he's just not uh flashy enough. Um but you you can make the argument if he's in your top five, I'm not gonna you know, I'm like Corey, I'm not gonna say he doesn't belong there. Um I think he's had a better career than people realize. Um and he's been hitting milestones uh this year and I think that puts people's careers in perspective. But he'll be one of those guys when he retires, he'll probably get more appreciation than uh, what he did as an actual player. And 85% of that can be because of his loyalty to Jay Cutler. So, it's not anybody's fault but his own, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, the Um, dude got Randy Fitzpatrick looking nice, though. I mean, Ryan, he got him looking like a decent QB. I mean, he's done that with Jay Cutler. He's done that with a few of the bums in Miami. It's like, I don't know, man, every – I know he had like a situation where he went crazy or whatnot, but every place this guy goes, man, it's eight to ten plus touchdowns and a thousand yards, and damn near a hundred catches. Yep,
1: yep. And I and I have to give him
0: credit uh, because. I think one of the things um, that stands out for elite athletes as well is when it's almost their time to go, they pass it on to somebody else or they take somebody under their wing. Alshon Jeffries is – I'm, I'm going to give him credit for making Alshon Jeffries a better pro than uh, what what he was originally projected. Alshon's pretty good, man. Alshon plays a lot like Marshall, in my opinion. When I see him play, he does a lot of Marshall things. I think he's a little bit more athletic and uh, has um, you know more highlight role catches but he's become the cornerstone for the Chicago Bears' uh, wide receiver core, and I don't think they ever really had that in mind when they picked him up. They thought he'd be good, but not necessarily uh, somebody that's on the rise to be maybe a top-five receiver if he can ever stay healthy as well. All right. So uh, we're rolling into the uh, – Kirk Cousins talk, because we got a Cowboy fan on here, and I know he wants to talk about Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I titled it The Curious Case of Kirk Cousins because, um, as you guys saw, I shared the uh, the video today. I went to the Skins camp undercover, and they were so excited about RG3. RG3, RG3, and we've been hearing about RG3 for the last two years, and there's probably been about 10% of the Redskins fan base that said Kirk Cousins should play um, but Kurt has finally gotten his opportunity, and he's done the most, uh, if you ask me, um, is, is a very favorable situation because he's also played um, during a time when the division is absolutely horrible. So he's going to be successful no matter what based off of just being average, in my opinion. He, he The Redskins could go 8-8 eight and, eight and win their division. So what, what do you make of Kurt Cousins? Is he is he really the answer for the Washington Redskins? Well, let me go on record just by saying this. Redskins is not making the playoffs. But Kirk Cousins has been playing good football in the last four or five weeks. I will give him that. If you exclude the Dallas game, he didn't really play bad in the Dallas game, but he didn't play the way he's been playing, you know, the last couple of weeks. He's been playing good football. I know he leads the league, I think, in completion percentage, He's doing a few things that Washington hasn't seen from a quarterback in a while. I know they had that one year with RG3, but, I mean, just that. other than that one decent year, they really haven't seen that from the quarterback position in a long time. So that's why their fans are super excited about this dude. But I'm hearing that he deserves a $100 million contract or $18 million a year. I mean, come on, man. Give, give, give you one full season. Like I said, he's just been playing good football the last couple of weeks. But I, the way I see it playing, I hate to admit this because I might hate this team worse than the Redskins, but I think Philly's going to the division. I think we're so happy. For some reason, Philly has the Giants number, and I think Philly is going to beat Washington on Saturday. I, I, Washington's a horrible road team, and I think Philly is going to take care of business at home against Washington. And for some reason, they have the Giants number, and they're going to beat the Giants to win the division the last week of the season. They're not doing anything in the playoffs, but let's see how Kirk Cousins do these last two games on the road. Um, He should beat Dallas. He should beat us last week of the season if he wants any kind of credibility. He's the only quarterback in the league this year that lost to Matt Castle. That's right, Matt Castle. The dude was over whatever, and then we played Kirk Cousins in the Redskins, and we somehow win. So I'm not 100% sold on him, but like I said, I'm not a hater. I will admit, he has been playing good football. But him being worth a big contract right now is crazy. Don't you really see fan that thinks that they're just happy that they finally got a quarterback making the match? Corey, Chase? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of been uh it's sad that the Joe Flacco is in fact it's trickling down to eight and eight quarterbacks. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> that is, this is really what it is. It's like, all right, Joe Flacco on himself. He didn't sign a contract. Then he went and won a Super Bowl. So, hey, got to give my man $120 million. Now the standard is he was better than we thought he was. And with eight and eight, so we kind of got to pay him. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know, man. I Honestly, I'd rather blow the whole thing up and go back in the draft and sign a quarterback to a long day. I mean, if they give him the Alex Smith money, I'd be fine with that. I think that's decent, and, and you can understand that. Um, if they they Nick the button with a bunch of incentives, I think that's smart to do. I think he's the perfect, I mean, perfect transition quarterback to draft somebody young, get him in, groom him for one to two years. Like, he seems like an ideal stopgap quarterback, can keep you good enough, where you can keep veterans around, still draft well, Build a core around somebody that's young and that can take a team to the next level. So that's what I see in the future. Hopefully, they can get him under a good deal. I don't think anyone in free agency is lining up to overpay Kirk Cousins or the fact they didn't get in a bidding war or have to franchise him. Um, but you never know. We'll see. I mean, he's he's been pretty good. He's better than I thought he was, that's for sure. He comes from a good pedigree in college, so you have to pay him, but you do not have to give him franchise quarterback money. So, so pl- playing off of what you said, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this. I'm gonna address this to uh, Chase. Does Kirk Cousins deserve to have a season or two where he doesn't have to look over his back? You know, like I feel like the guy's career has kind of been um, hindered. You know, he was drafted in a situation where he was pretty much drafted never to succeed. Uh, he he perseveres through that. He's patient. He does enough to win the starting job. He gets the starting job, and he's almost Tebowing his team to the uh, playoffs. And I say Tebow in the reference that, you know, Tebow did enough to to not lose games for his team. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is better than Tebow. But it's one of those situations where he's probably going to get his team to the playoffs, and yet they're still going to look at replacing him or they're still maybe not necessarily sold on him being the guy. So does he not deserve his, his chance to be the quarterback without question?
1: I think we got to see how the rest of this year plays out. I uh, so right now I um I was listening to the radio earlier. They said the last 8 games, 20 TDs, 3 interceptions, 73% completion percentage and like 2200 yards. That's awesome, man. I mean, if he keeps that up for the remainder of this season. Now, I with this, I don't think he he can get paid that much. No way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I think he, if he rides this season out like this, then he does, he does deserve that. And I think he'll get that. I think Gruden wants him to, um, have that opportunity to, to get the full off season in, to be the guy, um, you know, especially if they make the playoffs, then the players are going to be sold on him. So I think he's winning the locker room over already. Um, from what I've heard, you know, they really like him, of course, when you're winning, everything's good. So yeah, why not give them a chance? Now it can't cost them a hundred million dollars. They're in such a terrible position where they've had all these quarterbacks, you know, for the last 20 years. And it's like, they finally get something decent. Now they thought they had something in RG three and we saw how quickly that went away. So it's like, you can't just throw money at the guy and bank on it happening right now. You got to see more. Um, Got to be some kind of Kaepernick contract at best, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, does he deserve to at least be able to be the starting QB going into next season if he gets him to the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're, so, hold on. We're,
0: we're gonna, how, do, how do y'all figure he deserve a Kaepernick deal when Kaepernick at least took the boys to two Super Bowls? Well, what? Well, I'm sorry.
1: I, Cap Kaepernick and, deal I, meaning that it's like one almost entirely uh, um, incentive driven because basically they're handcuffed yeah. man they yeah. got to pay him something and and you know they they want to keep him but you can't just you can't give him like fifty sixty million guaranteed that's crazy yeah. so you got to just make yeah. it like highly um, performance based right well, yeah and and, and if think, it
0: doesn't work you can cut ties
1: because uh, yeah. the got.
0: Tannehill's got a contract like that, actually. I mean, I think he... You franchise tag him. I think, he's, he's, I think he deserves a right. He has earned the right for another season, in my opinion. He's played well enough this year to get another season. You franchise tag him, I think that's going to be $20 million. That's a lot, but at least you're only on the hook for one year. And then after next year, see how that plays out. But, I mean, Kaepernick, don't get me wrong. I know the last couple of years he fell off terribly, but... Tappernick was playing really good football when he got that deal. Yeah, no, I think the thing is the problem with the franchise is, let's say it has the exact same season. Then what do you do? Then you start mortgaging and and mortgaging your future because you can't go back to back years paying Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson type money. To say. franchise next year is probably going to be twenty four for quarterback. If you got to pay twenty eight the year after that because you have another nine or seven season and you didn't draft the quarterback. So I think the proper way to hedge and kind of get everyone involved is at least give him some upfront money guaranteed. Hedge it a little bit back. And You can't give him $100 million like Cap, but can you give him an $80 million deal for four or five years incentivated where you can cut ties and via roster bonuses after year two, going into year three? Yeah, I think you I think can do that, and I think that's much better than a, a, a franchise tag because you're basically saying, hey, this is for this year, and if you play well, then we'll have to pay you what we paid you last year. You can't give him a franchise for the 20 mil and he improves and let's say he has a year like Andy Dalton had this year or a little less. Now you're really stuck, <laughs> and you have to pay that man a grip, and then you're screwed. So I, I think they should bet on him a little bit, uh, but hedge their bets with with a uh, guaranteed-type structure deal. I mean, right, so we again, one more caller. The, the, hold on. We we got about eight minutes. I'm trying not to go over the time. It's a good discussion. Um, We can throw it in the thread tomorrow, or we can um, add it to um, a show next week or later on in the week. But I had to to pull a Ronnie and cut you all off real quick. We got one more caller, and then um, we're going to end with uh, one more question that I have. 512-557, you're on the air. What's up? It's your favorite saltine right here. I have a lot of Who is this? I'm just kidding. Chase, how was that UTA Ohio State game? I should tell you who this
1: is. (laughs) I didn't watch it, man. The mid the uh, mid majors don't come on TV, so you know I had to miss that. Oh, it was on
0: ESPN (laughs) three. Come on. What? No. I want to talk about the Oklahoma Clemson game. The what game? Oklahoma Oklahoma Clemson. Clemson game. Yeah, man. Look, this is an NFL show. We're going to talk college uh, probably man, later look, in the week. NFL's dead and gone. Playoff team is sitting right now. <laughs> um, I, tried to him, I tried to right, tell right, him, man. I tried to so tell him that look, the pro is over. This, um, we've got one more question, and I'm going to let all three of you guys say your piece, and then we're just going to wrap it up. All right, Cam Newton, he had a game-winning drive yesterday. Um, he had a game-winning drive in Seattle. We all know about his numbers and we keep seeing these LeBron stats with Russell Wilson, and we know Carson Palmer's having a good year. Obviously, Tom Brady by default is always an MVP candidate. Is it worth arguing that Cam Newton is not the MVP anymore? Can can you in make the, that and, argument? In the vein of being what obvious music, I like to channel my inner Kanye and say this, and I mean it, I don't pull the race card often. But with how he's playing and the Carolina Panthers leading the league in points per game and him being a quarterback, that's accounted for as many touchdowns as anybody else and then I tell. If you honestly can say out of your mouth that Cam does not deserve the MVP, you don't care about black people. That's just the truth, man. I'm not going to lie to you. That's just the truth at this point. If you think Cam not the MVP, you do not care about black people. Don't tell me Russell Wilson because he don't count.
1: I feel like I feel like I need to take another position now after that. So, I think the case could be made for Carson Palmer. Um, his, he's playing out of his mind. The team keeps winning. They're clearly a completely different team with him at quarterback. I mean, I'm not going to say Cam doesn't deserve MVP. I think he'll get it, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. But I think that you could make an argument – for Carson Palmer, um, given this season, and and it's worthwhile. Uh, you know, you can't you can't downplay how much different that team is with him. Like they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders with him at quarterback, and they were just like I mean, night and day without him. So,
0: I got two, I got two follow-up questions for you. Carson Palmer's team
1: fourteen and no Better division. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a second question
0: for you. I, I got a second question for you. So we supposed to punish Cam for being indestructible and not knowing how bad they would suck with that one?
1: <laughs> hey, man, you know I'm a Cam fan, but to play devil's advocate, no. Nah, I mean, look, Cam's number's moderately pedestrian compared to what we're seeing at the top of the league. So, yeah, they're winning. That's it. If they had dropped two games, he wouldn't even be in this conversation. Maurice?
0: Two yeah. games. 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, five touchdowns. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 five touchdowns. I mean, come on, man. He's been he's been playing at the top of his game for, like, the last, like, seven, eight weeks. Like I said on the other podcast, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but I think he's the most important player to his team. Who was Cam's backup? Does anybody know? Like, everybody wants to talk yeah. about Gary Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. D. Derek Anderson, I think. He yeah, really I mean, won a game for them last year, unfortunately. For my argument, and he let them down there, man. I think right now is the question: of who's the NFL MVP? It has to be Cam Newton. If you want to make Costa Palmer happy, give him offensive player But MVP, <laughs> I, you, I don't even think it's close right now. I, I think if you would ask me when when the Patriots were undefeated, I was Tom Brady. Like, but. Corey makes a good point. He's fourteen and zero right now, man. He hasn't lost a game. I don't know. I've seen at least with my own two eyes three or four game winning drives he's had.
1: What, what else are you to, you to
0: do? I don't. I don't know what else you wants him to do, man. He he's putting up historically great numbers from the quarterback position, and when I say that, I don't mean just passing, but just all the intangibles he he has and all the things he's doing from running the football. To, I mean, and think about it. Another thing, too, I, I mean to bring up is two, three years ago, everybody was down on Cam. When was the last time you seen Cam sitting on the bench with a towel over his head, not even looking up? I haven't seen that in a long time. He's also became a great leader. That's that's the one thing I think Cam was missing a few years ago that he's kind of adapt to that now puts him over the top at his position. Right. Um
1: do you think it has anything to do with the fact that he's got two exceptional Buckeye receivers making all these touchdown catches oh, for him? My oh, man, oh my
0: gosh, man. God. What? Exceptional That's Buckeye receivers. I'm about to kick man. you off the show too. Hey look,
1: um <laughs> I appreciate you guys
0: calling in. Um like we're gonna try to I'm gonna try to get this weekly. Um I'm on, on break right. now, so it should be a little bit cool uh easier to make uh the shows. Uh tomorrow Ronnie's got a uh, all topic show, so if you guys can call in or if people are listening if you can listen in to the show tomorrow as well they'll cover uh, more than just the NFL um but I'm going we're going to end with my theory on the uh, MVP race since it is my show even though Chase's intro took over my show still my show um I think Russell Wilson wins the MVP because future's going to get his revenge on Russell one way or another and the league doesn't want Russell's image to be stained uh, messing with Sierra, so they're going to figure out that the dab is really a bird call for every dude in the city of Atlanta. They're going to find Cam uh, has gang affiliation. They're going to smear him, and they're going to raise Russell Wilson to MVP candidate. They, they have to. They've, they've they've been trying to get Russell Wilson as the face of the NFL for about two and a half seasons, and they have yet, they have yet. To find a reason to make him MVP. Like, you know, they they tried to give him a Super Bowl, and he tricked that up. So, MVP, he's got it this year, man. Russell Wilson. You're an idiot, bro. <laughs> nah, man, y'all don't believe the Illuminati is real. It's real. Long conspiracy. conspiracy. I'm channeling my inner hurt. This is rigged. All sports is rigged. And hey, I Cam have no connection to this MVP. Life. <laughs> I'll just play, but uh, I appreciate you guys calling in though. For real, um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up, and we actually got under an hour, so we we did good. Maurice, thanks for calling. Chase, thanks for taking over. Corey, thanks for being real. And we're out.